Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Melanie Weller. Melanie Weller is the world's leading expert in opening the door to health, performance, and innovation through the vagus nerve, the bridge between our narratives and our physical experience. A storyteller for the human body, Melanie has an extensive background in stress management, chronic conditions, and people who haven't yet found success. She now focuses on strengthening the leading edge in businesses, speakers, entertainers, athletes, artists, and medical professionals. Welcome to the podcast, Melanie. Thank you so much, Dr. Leonard. Oh, yeah. Just so people can get to know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. Um, Well, I've been a physical therapist for almost 25 years now, and I was an athletic trainer before that. And I love the puzzle of figuring people out and what happened to them and really helping them with the uh, the roots of their stress, like even just beyond the injury, sort of like the scenario, the pattern, the behavioral pattern or the mindset pattern that even led up to that uh, happening in the first place. And very early in my physical therapy career, I ended up working at a clinic that got a lot of referrals from doctors who treated patients that had complicated ongoing chronic conditions and that, uh, and that a lot of people had, and that no one else had figured out that they had been to multiple physical therapists, multiple doctors, sometimes had multiple surgeries, and were still struggling with whatever was going on. And, you know, they didn't necessarily fall into a, a convenient diagnostic box. Mm-hmm. And so I got kicked outside of the box mm-hmm. over and over and over again with these people. And really, through that and having an amazing foundation from my physical therapy school at the University of Southern California and having a lot of amazing mentors before and after that, even when I did athletic training before I went to PT school, I really developed the sense about how really truly connected the body is and how you can sometimes do a technique for the neck that changes the foot mm-hmm. and you know or that you know people with knee problems were also having mid-back biomechanical dysfunction and so i really mm-hmm. d- developed this sense of how things were connected and i thrive on my sessions being a little bit of a magic show mm-hmm. <laughs> and really and and so the game i always i, I kind of played with myself because was how can I make one or three things change 10, 20 or 30 things for my clients Mm -hmm. and patients because complicated chronic pain patients, especially, and I, and I would, uh, and I would say at some level people that have had, you know, if you have anything that's just on going, I will very lovingly say that you are probably a biomechanical train wreck (laughs) and that you, that there's just dysfunction head to toe and we don't, Medically, we're not trained to evaluate people head to toe in that way. And to really, you know, we know more about our cars than we knew, know about our bodies. And to really look at you as a shock absorption system. Mm-hmm. And one of the most efficient ways I discovered along the way 
to knock out a lot of issues and kind of wipe the window clean so you, I could see more deeply what was going on was decompressing the vagus nerve at the base of the skull. And that was a technique that I learned through some osteopathic training that mm -hmm. I did. And so along the way, like if I had uh, a knee pain patient that just wasn't progressing like I expected them to, I'd reassess and I'd often see what their upper neck was doing and decompress their vagus nerve there and their knee mechanics would change. Mm -hmm. And in having my own practice, I really just built that out and honed it and really uh, put together both biomechanically and through bind body medicine and um, my stress management skills, how uh, I guess one, how the vagus nerve really gets trapped at very specific points in our body. And I'll talk in a minute about what the vagus nerve does, but you know, I think that for as much as the vagus nerve does to help us with stress and inflammation, if it's mechanically pinched, you cannot always meditate or exercise or mindset yourself out of a pinched vagus nerve. Taking the mechanical compression off of it is extremely profound in shifting pain and trauma. And I would contend that in a lot of chronic situations in a lot of trauma that the vagus nerve itself is really what's traumatized. And if you take the mechanical piece off the vagus nerve, then it, it makes recovery so much faster and smoother. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to do other work, but it opens up the super highway going forward. Well, that makes sense to me. And one of the reasons it makes sense to me is, um, I have a massage therapist that I see once a month and I only need to see him once a month because what he does is so effective. And the issue I have that's chronic is that I have hips that torque and then they put everything else off of balance. So if he wants to loosen up my hips, he goes back here and he works on this back here. And he says, we're working on the neurology is what he yes. says. We're working on the neurology. So he works on the neurology. And before he works on that, he has tested the, the um, weakness or strength of both of my legs to see how much I can push back. Yes. And then he does his magic up here. And then he tests it again and it's already stronger and it's already looser. And he didn't even touch my hips. Yes. Yes. That's the best part. <laughs> I kind of love that. Touch my hips. <laughs> He just did something up here on my neck. Yeah, no, I absolutely, that's my favorite part of working with clients. And I work with people online also, and it's really, uh, I, from a, a more logical standpoint, I, the vagus nerve, well, one, treating a nerve is the fastest way to change in the body regardless. Mm -hmm. And the vagus nerve uses the same neurotransmitter that our muscles do. So you get these really beautiful neuromuscular resp responses mm -hmm. when you give the vagus nerve more space. Mm -hmm. And the vagus nerve goes from our brainstem all the way down into our pelvises. It, as it comes out of our brainstem, it, it goes down to innervate our hearts and it loops back up from the heart to innervate the vocal cords. So I like to think of it as the nerve that allows us to speak our hearts. Mm. 
it goes down into to innervate the digestive system, the muscles there. And it also uh, is involved with digestive enzyme secretion, with bile secretion, and we cannot absorb vitamin B12 without our vagus nerves as well. In women, it innervates the cervix. Most of us are familiar when our vagus nerves are not working well, when we go to do public speaking or something that would make us similarly nervous and we get a lump in our throats, our palms sweat, our hearts race, mm. and our stomachs feel funny. Mm. And that's all because our vagus nerve has been dialed down and our fight and flight responses have been dialed up. So your vagus nerve is the biggest component of your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your grace under pressure, your rest and digest. It's what makes you feel calm. And it's also what helps you experience pleasure. Sexual arousal in general is a parasympathetic response. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it just goes everywhere from your neck all the way down to your base here. All the way. Yep. Yes. And it's in all of your senses as well. And uh, the piece that it's not in is your adrenal glands. So, mm -hmm. you know, and that your adrenal glands are more integral to your fight and flight responses. And so, uh, you know, and we all need the, you know, I think the goal is not to be stress free, street, stress free, you know, stress has a value to it. Like when we exercise, like muscle strengthening is a stress on the muscle and the muscle gets stronger in response to the stress. However, we all end up in this, you know, we're certainly a culture that is on the hamster wheel in our heads all the time. We overwhelmingly breathe shallowly. We breathe too much in our upper chests and don't get our breath down deep enough. And those all things all keep us in a state of fight and flight. And we don't have the balance of the grace under pressure and the rest and digest. And I've had the great pleasure of treating a number of people with anxiety, depression, and even hallucinations that have had massive and very fast transformations with this process of treating the vagus nerve as a pinch nerve. And also, uh, extending that into really what what is the root of the underlying stress because we know medically that stress is 75 to 90 percent of all disease but we don't talk very specifically about what that means you know you know your doctor might say oh well you need to reduce your stress you need to meditate you need to exercise or whatever and but that's still not really that's essentially I don't want to say meditate. I mean, meditation is great, but there's, it's often a compensation for the stress, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you can't meditate until you identify, understand the stress in your life. If you're in a, uh, a heightened, uh, like hypervigilant neurological state, meditation can be extraordinarily difficult. Yes. Yes. I've tried that before. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> right. Right. And so like, let's take some stress out of your nervous system so that you can then get into a meditative state. Mm -hmm. And I teach people how to look at their lives as a way to live in a meditative state. And sometimes you're deeper and sometimes you're more shallow 
in it. But what's really stressful is being yanked in and out of it between anxiety and then having to go meditate or have med having meditation or being calm one little teeny piece of your day when the rest of the day is frenetic. Yeah. So this vagus nerve, what is it doing in our bodies physiologically? You were saying the different places it goes, but how does it really work? And how, how do we know when it's out of balance or it's being pinched? Yeah. So it's uh, from a motor standpoint, it provides the motor function for your vocal cords, your heart and your digestive system. It does a lot of sends a lot of sensory information up to your brain from your body to your brain. So you can think of it as your gut brain, mm -hmm. as your heart brain. You know, it's certainly your voice and uh, you know, nerves all work through neurotransmitters. And so it just has Vegas in Latin means wonder. And so it's just in lots and lots of things. And a lot of what our nervous systems do in general is to dampen signals so that we stay calm. And so your vagus nerve is really, uh, um, it like br keeps the, uh, the fire alarm off in your fight and flight system turns the fire alarm on okay that makes basically sense. if you want to think of it like that mm -hmm. and we know that st stress and trauma always affect the voice and the breath and our vocal cords and diaphragms are horizontally oriented in our body and so that horizontal plane in our body is really where we it's where we embody stress so nobody experiences stress or trauma and has really great arm swing when they walk we oh. all lock up mm -hmm. you know we stiffen up like nobody's out there you know with a beautiful relaxed arm swing when they're stressed bodies in stress <laughs> right <laughs> you know or they've just experienced a trauma no, like you get all crooked exactly right you're curled up you mm -hmm. know in a fetal position or whatever you know like you're you know you have your arms close to yourself mm -hmm. um and so rotation is the first thing that we give up mm -hmm. with stress and, and trauma and rotation is i have found is a very good measurement of how severely and both of like identifying location and severity of vagus nerve compression so are you having someone like stand up and Say, okay, I want you to twist all the way to this side or twist all the way to this side and see how far they can go. What are you talking about? A little bit. So, <laughs> right. So in my, in my office, I take the, I really, I take the reins more in my, like if somebody comes to see me in person, I take them through my physical therapy, biomechanical tests to see what's going on. I've modified most of those so that if I'm working with somebody virtually, I can take them through a self-assessment. So like at the neck, for example, I mean, part of it is just seeing how far you can turn your neck to each side. I will also have them look maybe 45 degrees or so towards the floor and slowly turn their head left and right there. And it's normal to go about 45 degrees in each direction, 47 degrees technically. And that isolates rotation between your first and second cervical vertebrae. 
I'll also have people turn their uh, head all the way to the side and bring their ear towards their chest. And that if they, you should be able to bring your ear, you know, maybe again, like 45, 50 degrees towards your chest. If you run people that run into a brick wall and can barely bring their ear towards their chest, have an elevated first rib and your first ribs are right at the top of your shoulders, like even above your collarbones. Mm-hmm. And if your first rib, the nerve that innervates the muscles that attach at your first couple ribs comes out of the same opening that your vagus nerve does at the base of your skull. So if your first rib is elevated, I also know your vagus nerve and your spinal accessory nerve are compressed too, because they come out at the same place. And so I do, so I take, so I do guide people through a series of, uh, specific activities to see where they're limited. It's a little trickier virtually because we're all incredible masters of compensation and we will cheat at every, any, every, (laughs) any and every given chance with movement (laughs) to take the path path of least resistance. And so the advantage of seeing me in person is that I can tell immediately when you're cheating. Right. (laughs) It's a little more, more difficult virtually, but you know, with getting people to go a little bit slower and, um, you know, and I've just picked up enough like little fun tests. Uh, like there's a big toe test that, uh, that I really like for, and it always tells me if, if you, in the absence of big toe pathology, like the, you know, that you didn't have a car run over your foot or something like that. If this test is positive, I, know your vagus nerve is compressed at the base of your skull. And, but in a virtual format, one of the things I'll have people do is ask them to do is just have their feet on the floor, ideally without shoes and socks on and to lift their big toe and see if they can lift their big toe and leave their other four toes on the floor. Oh, and then I'll I've never ask, tried that. Has anybody ever tried that? <laughs> and then I'll ask them to to lift their big toe and second toe together mm-hmm. and leave the other, you know, the three toes down and kind of go through like that. And I um well that's one actually a really good measure of how your pelvic floor is functioning. And your pelvic floor is one of those places that if it's not right, your vagus nerve isn't going to be right mm-hmm. either. And uh, but yeah, so the big toe, you know, so like there's little tricks like that, that I've learned over the years that, um, that work well for teaching workshops and, uh, and working with people virtually as well. I'm just visualizing your workshop and you're like, okay, everybody, (laughs) (laughs) you have all these people in a room standing there with their shoes and socks off. Yeah. Well, it's easy. I teach a lot when I do workshops, I've I've most often done them in yoga studios. So most everybody's already barefoot (laughs) when they they show up, but yes. And in the corporate settings, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's maybe a little bit more awkward for, some of them, but like, they know they're coming to, that there's going to be some amount of movement Mm -hmm. involved. And even for those that don't, maybe don't want to take their shoes off at the moment, that's an easy thing that they can take home and practice later. So let's say you're working with someone virtually, you ascertain that yes, their vagus nerve is being pinched, but you're not there. 
mm-hmm. do your, you know, magic up here. Yeah. So what do you tell them to do? Say, you know, what are we going to do to release this vagus nerve? So d- depending on where it seems like it's most compressed, I have exercises that work for all of the compression points. So I'll take them through a breathing exercise. Like, so, uh, for example, well, t- tell me, like, do you tell me how your neck felt when we went through those? Oh, I always have one side that's a little stiffer. I think it's stiffer going this way. Going, look, yeah, that looks a little stiffer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll just use that as our kind of before and after and see if this changes. So, like, one of the really, uh, <clears throat> I have a, a video on my YouTube channel that has a, uh, exercises, like one exercise per compression point. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, I have a new, video that I did. Uh, if you go to embodyyourstar.com and opt in, it'll send you to a new one where I really, I consolidated them so that there's really just three and I kind of, I merged them all and I find that they're very effective. And we like that. Fast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and people do, I mean, I know I was tell like, I, I never give people more than three things because I know I wouldn't do more than three things. I'm a busy person. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, so cross your left ankle in front of your right. Okay. And if you're, you know, for those of you listening, like, do not do this while you're, if you're driving or operating any kind of machinery, don't do it while you're uh, operating kitchen tools or anything like that either. Like, be in a nice, still place where you can focus to do this. Take your right hand and put it on the outside of your left thigh or across your body as close as okay. you can get to your left thigh. Take your left hand and put it behind your head. And now I'm going to have you breathe and what i want you to do is inhale into the back side of your heart so inhale between your shoulder blades and then hold your breath so i usually have people inhale for a count of five hold for a count of eight and then exhale like you're blowing out a candle or blowing up a balloon and give the air a little bit of resistance for a count of 13 or as long as you can i gotta do that again yep and i'm I'm gonna have you do two more breaths so i usually have people do three breaths at least to start and that's usually enough to start to, to make a, at least a little bit of a difference, if not a really big one. It doesn't always take uh, that much. It's a very, uh, this is a very efficient exercise that gets a lot of things. And then I'll have them do the motion that was restricted. Okay. <clears throat> that is looser. Yeah. Can you see it? From I can. Back? Absolutely. That's amazing. Three and breaths. yeah. And so like, and I didn't even have you move your neck. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so there are exercises for each one. And beyond that, your vagus nerve is, well, I'll say beyond that, I've created a form of energy medicine around your vagus nerve and really how it's the bridge between your story and your body. And really looking at how story uh, and stress live in the body because I find that it's very predictable. And the way that I really came to this was through in the throes of my own midlife crisis where my body was falling apart and I, my blood pressure was high. I was having foot pain and had to stop running. Uh, I was, uh, my marriage was really struggling and I had a professional lawsuit brought against me. And so my life just felt like it was crumbling in all at all levels. 
And, you know, I had branded myself as a stress management expert. I was like, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> it was awful. You're getting experience. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting experience. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for. Like we all, and I will say overwhelmingly, we all do the thing we need most to heal ourselves. Yeah. Like that's true across the board. It's what we need. Yeah. And so, uh, and one of the things that I had really struggled with along the way with my practice, because I have a, I can be, I'm very intuitive also, and I have a string of letters after my name that I collected professionally and really trying to, so integrating and reconciling those two aspects of myself and my practice was one of my challenges. And I believe that was really what led, what the breakdown was all about. And so I had been looking at astrology to help understand myself in the midst of all of this. And one of the things, uh, uh, and I did some reading along the way too. And so one of the things that I read was how mythology was a mode of communicating scientific information. So for example, in the ancient Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris are the numbers of the earth's processional cycle, how it rotates and tilts over time. And so that was just the way they wrote, they just had a different way of scientific writing than we do now. And there's other major myths from other cultures that have the same numbers in them as well. And so my first question after that was, well, the earth right now is at about a 23 and a half degree tilt. So what's 23 and a half degrees from the midline of the body? Hmm. And in all of my anatomy books, and I've had a chance to look at real skulls since then as well, the opening where the vagus nerve exits the base of the skull is 23 and a half degrees from the center of where the spinal cord exits. Hmm. And I, just from my biomechanical knowledge, I knew that normal rotation between your first and second cervical vertebrae was 47 degrees to each side. And the anterior cruciate ligament in the knee sits at a 47 degree angle and normal rotation at the foot is 23 degrees on average. And so I already had kind of a collection of angles that sort of fit this. And the research says that when solar and space weather disrupt the electromagnetic field of the earth, it's measurable in our vagus nerves. Oh, really? And so we're literally fractal. I was like, uh, so it just really washed over me that these are, this is how we are fractals of the cosmos, you know, that, and that, and I can tell you that these angles that when, you know, if you don't have C, C1, C2 rotation or, you know, good foot rotation that you're less likely to feel well. Like, you know, you're more there, you know, that these are things that I've treated over and over and over in people for many, many years. And the next place it took me was, you know, so I'd been thinking about how this, how mythology was this mode of communicating science. And I did an online stress management workshop and talked a lot about the ventricles of the brain and the ventricles of the brain make cerebral spinal fluid. Mm -hmm. And I uh, have a favorite picture from a, an anatomy book that I've had. Uh, I bought it for a set of courses after I graduated from PT school, but I've had them well over 20 years. 
And is this going to go on video or no? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So I'll put this up. So this um, is a compilation of MRI images that give you a 3D picture of what your ventricles look like. And when I, so I, I've looked at this picture a million times, but I hadn't looked at it since I'd been studying astrology for myself. And when I looked at it, I said, oh, they, that looks just like the ram's horns that represent Aries. Yes, it does. And in astrology, Aries rules the head. And then I lit up and was like, oh, where's the rest of it? And sure enough, it works this way the whole way through the body. The way the hyoid bone sits on top of the larynx looks just like the symbol for Taurus and Taurus rules the throat. And our aortic arches are the same shape as the symbol for Leo and Leo rules the heart. And Libra, the sign of the scales rules the kidneys and our kidneys sit in our low back like a set of scales. And beyond that, you know, scales in this in the United States and in other countries also represent justice. And the populations in the US with the highest levels of social injustice also have the highest levels of kidney disease. Oh, interesting. And so we can really, I think, apply very specifically how stress lives in the body. For people going back to vagus nerve compression at the base of the skull or at the head level, we, when our heroics and our desires are at odds with each other, it's that, that kind of stress shows up in the neck. Like when we're the hero in someone else's story at the expense of our own, or we're satisfying everybody else's desires first, you know, that will in your neck, it, it will very often show up in your neck mm. and it impairs your vision. It impairs your ability to see what your, the possibilities are for you to see, you know, where you need to go to see. And so, uh, you know, so when I talk like at the, you know, if I don't, I talk to corporate people, I, I don't always lead with the mythology <laughs> aspect of it, or, you know, sometimes, you know, people need to kind of warm, warm up to it a little bit, but it's just striking how well this, uh, it works when you go through the body like this. And so the stories really, they tell us about our anatomy. They tell us really how we hold stress and the spiritual underpinnings of our physical dysfunction. And I've created a form of energy medicine out of it as well, which is part of how I work with people online too. And this is just the, how the cosmos is coded into us. And I think your vagus nerve is a really integral part of that. To me, your vagus nerve is like, it's the it's our connection as above, so below. It's the bridge through which, you know, all of those messages and connections mm -hmm. come. And it's like the mycelium network of the earth that connects all the trees and plants and sends messages, warning signals and shunts nutrients and absorbs water. And it has some of those, <clears throat> it has similar functions like that within our bodies. And to me, it's like the Laniakea supercluster in the sky of which our Milky Way galaxy is one little teeny tiny part. And so for, I would say that you're, you know, and really my why when I, it, is that you, you have an internal cosmology that determines your reality, you know, and that alignment is so much bigger than just your physical body that you are literally lining up on a fractal scale. So I'm thinking through what you're saying and you're, bringing so many new 
ideas and thoughts and things like I never thought about that and I, I didn't know anything about how everything lines up like that. So I'm trying to put it all together. So your vagus nerve, you know, physiologically and physically innervates so many things from your head mm -hmm. to your stomach to your heart. Um, yes. And when we get stressed, our vagus nerve gets dialed down. It doesn't find or stress and trauma dial it down. <clears throat> and the stories we tell ourselves dial it down. And the difference, it, and so it addressing people's stories about themselves and getting them to see themselves through story influences your, your vagus nerve because story storytelling the neuroscience of storytelling is amazing like you get these really beautiful oxytocin and dopamine releases and your oxytocin is produced in your heart also which is what your vagus nerve innervates so those things are very integral to each other the difference between acute subacute pain and chronic pain and i would extend this to chronic limiting beliefs chronic habits as well is that chronic pain gets locked into our limbic systems, which is where our emotions are. And you cannot logic yourself out of your limbic system. You need a story. You need an emotional key to get it out of there. <coughs> All of the leading pain science experts get really excited when somebody cries or gets angry when they explain pain to them because they know they're going to get better because they've unlocked that limbic system. And so I can technical talk people through the vagus nerve all day long, but it's really pretty boring for the most part. But as I do the technical pieces, I will talk about story, you know, and to really look at how sto the story is living in the body. So for example, with those ventricles of the brain, if your ram's horns are like, like, while I'm sure in, in all people, they are physically exactly where they're supposed to be. Energetically, they get asymmetrical. Okay. And so putting your ram's horns back symmetrically will also decompress your vagus nerve at the base of the skull. It'll make the, all those start to make those tests negative and it will improve if I'm measuring somebody's heart rate variability, which is the gold standard measure for vagus nerve function, it will improve their heart rate variability too, because they are in better alignment on that fractal scale. They're able, their electromagnetic field of their heart is better able to synchronize with the electromagnetic field of the earth and just with everything around it. Wow. And I know I fully realize that's a big wild, mm -hmm. wild thought. You know, and and then some people will do great with just the exercises and that's all they need. My background is treating people that have not responded. All those people that fall through the cracks, they do not follow the rules of getting sick. They did not read the textbook before they showed up in their doctor's office or my office or anybody else's office. Mm -hmm. And they're presenting in a way that does not make sense. And so that's where I have lots of experiences in figuring out these people that nobody else has been able to figure mm -hmm. out and to put together a story and when they feel heard mm -hmm. it it's life-changing mm -hmm. 
Wow. So I wanted to ask you when you got into that situation where you were having a lawsuit and you weren't feeling well and marriage wasn't going so well. Um, what did you do to change that? Did you start to pen a story for yourself? Well, I think uh, I did a lot of internal work and really peeled back the stories that I had been telling myself and really getting, I would say one of my big realizations through that time was how, was, was what a liar my mind is. Mm-hmm. And that my body is the truth teller. Uh, that's key. <laughs> and, you know, it brought up like every low self-worth thing I had ever thought about myself, you know, and that was certainly, you know, and my self-worth was part of why I collected all those letters after my name. Cause it was like a valid, it was at some level, my need for validation. Mm-hmm. And In, in realizing where, you know, this was a little bit further down the road, but I'm writing my book right now and I'm telling my story through the lens of the Egyptian myth of Isis and Osiris. And in that story, Osiris was the king of Egypt and uh, Isis was his wife and Set was his brother and Set was angry and jealous and wanted to be king. And so Set tricked Osiris into laying down in a bejeweled coffin and had his soldiers shut the lid and carry him to the Nile River and send him downstream to his death. Isis found out about this and went and got retrieved Osiris's body, took him to a cave and breathed new life back into him. When Set found out about that, he was furious and he chopped Osiris's body into pieces and scattered them down the Nile River. Isis found out about this and she retrieved the pieces, took him back to the cave. She found everything except for his phallus and for that she made a new one. She brought him back to life long enough to conceive their divine child, Horus. And then Osiris went on to be king of the underworld, which for the Egyptians was where all life came from and all treasures were found. And outside of Set's inner circle, if you were in that story, Everybody probably thought Osiris's destiny was to be the king of Egypt. His true destiny was to be the king of the underworld. And he literally had to come apart to come back together in a new way. And so that time in my life, I look at very much as my Osiris wound. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it, it totally undid me so that I could come back together in, in a new way and show up differently. It also made me realize how much we are all every character in every story and really owning that was very powerful for me. You know, I certainly identify with Isis as the healer, putting everybody back together because I've done lots of that over the years. And, you know, I identify with Osiris being broken into pieces, but you know, I've certainly been set as well in terms of sabotaging myself. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, you know, and even being, uh, you know, sometimes adversarial in relationships and things like that, you know, like being, you know, like we all have those aspects yeah. <laughs> to ourselves and really realizing how I, yeah, how I was playing every character was life-changing mm -hmm. for me in terms of story. I did a lot of Vegas nerve work. I did a lot of body work. I did a lot of, um, uh, I worked with a lot, number of different coaches and uh, mediums and psychics, you know, like you name it. I, <laughs> I, you know, I invested a lot of money in a lot of different areas and uh, you know, set was really, to me is also really the task master that keeps us on our life path. Mm -hmm. And if you had asked me 15 years ago, if I would be here talking about how astronomy and cosmology <laughs> live in the body, I would have said you were out of your mind. <laughs> and I might've been curious about it. I wouldn't have rejected it necessarily, but I would like, no, that's not for me. And while I thought my destiny was to really be this highly credentialed physical therapist, I think my true destiny is really to be this highly credentialed high priestess or this highly credentialed magician, you know, that I just show up when I show up in that form more as the high priestess magician archetypally, that's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. And that's really where I show up fully for my patients too. And which is its own and together that makes like when as a clinician when you show up fully for your people mm -hmm. rather than segmenting out like oh this is my personal like you know this is personal melanie this is professional melanie mm -hmm. you know when you bring all of yourself to the table it like you just yield miracle after miracle after miracle like things just that you didn't think were possible keep showing up you know i've had uh, one of the stories that I often tell is the guy I treated that had an acute onset of hallucinations that were awful. He was living in a nightmare and I had never treated that before. I didn't even really think he should be in my office, but I, you know, and I got him all set up with a psychiatrist and everything while he was there, but I, I couldn't turn in my heart of hearts. I couldn't turn him away either mm -hmm. in that moment. And I decompressed his vagus nerve and, but I also really brought my intuitive side, you know, gave him like a bit of an intuitive reading. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, like I let my intuitive, well, I will say I didn't even give him a bit of an intuitive reading. I gave him a full on <laughs> <laughs> intuitive reading. Like I let that go, you know, really let that flow. And at the end of our session, his hallucinations were 90% gone. And he texted me later that night and said, Melanie, you saved my life and not even in the cute not in the cute kind of way. Like I was planning on killing myself tonight because this was so awful and thank you. You know, I can't thank you enough. And that's like, I had no idea that my skill set could have that kind of influence. And it, it's very easy for me to talk about it technically, but I, that's not the only way I showed up. You know, I think I fully showed up for him and I know the universe was conspiring on his behalf for sure, but I brought all of myself to the table and, you know, I mean, I still struggle with 
finding words around what that, you know, emotionally was like for both of us, you know, that it was just incredibly powerful to, uh, to be part of that kind of a transformation for somebody. Yeah, that is powerful and wonderful. And so that really started to make me, you know, was, you know, through that process and a series of other, you know, patients as well, I got just much more confident in just bringing all of myself to the table. And, you know, and if you don't like it, then don't come see me. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like, I don't like, I might not be everybody's flavor, but it's the, but like, I am going to give you the best of everything that I offer and that, you know, and to not segment myself out. Like in that Isis Osiris story, we use dismemberment metaphors in our language all the time. Like we say, we're falling apart. We can't get it together. Our hearts are broken. Our lives are shattered. Mm -hmm. You know, that I was splitting myself between my clinical self and my personal self or my intuitive self and my logical self and kind of stuff. And I just, you know, when I bring those together, that's really where, uh, where my own magic really comes forward, I think. And, and it's just, uh, it's so much fun to see these transformations and see people really start to connect their own dots. Mm -hmm. And beyond even the physical piece, it really, you know, when I work with entrepreneurs or, and other leaders, you know, like they're, we connect how their businesses are living in their bodies, and we map out their business as a body and, you know, and really look at where the flow between their body, their own body and their business is out of sync and get that. And it opens up this space for genius that is just amazing. And they make these connections and that's, you know, and some of it is things I can help them with, but some of them have these huge ahas and uh, that lead them to, you know, that are within their own specific expertise mm -hmm. that lead them to go connect dots. So then they can be genius in their way at a bigger level beautiful so um i'm sure as people are listening they're thinking gosh i want to know more about that or i want to <laughs> work with melanie so um where can people get a hold of you uh where can they contact you if you go to embodyyourstar.com you can get a free vagus nerve decompression course and it has all of my social media email contact there as well. I do have a website under my name, melanieweller.com, uh, but embodyyourstar.com has everything to reach out to me and to connect over social media. And that's my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter handle as well. But oh, wonderful. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I know I learned a lot. I've been in the medical profession for years and Many of the things you were talking about are new concepts for me. So thank you. Yes, no, it is a it's a it's a, it's a paradigm shift for sure, and that's why I'm here and stepping into the you know like the universe is uh, being its own being my taskmaster, and I've got my own taskmaster in terms of showing uh, up to bring this forward. And I'm so grateful that for you to share your platform so I can I can be heard. Yep. So I have one last question before we get off. What is your best advice? on living an incredible, amazing life. Hmm. There's a proverb from a tribe in the Andes mountains 
that says your future is behind you, propelling you forward. And your past is in front of you, waiting for you to make peace with it and clear your way. And really leaning into and trusting that the universe has your back. And that your future isn't something you have to chase out in front of you. Is uh, the, I think the greatest uh, way to step into living an amazing life. I love that. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you, Dr. Leonard. Yep. We'll talk to you again soon.